Wow. Just wow. Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Hungarian Grand Prix review in which we will discuss a game of Skittles at turn one. The two greatest drivers of their generation going head to head. A new winner in Formula One and more. My name is Adam Williams. I am your host and we are as ever joined by our good friends Jimmy and Joe. How was that race? Uh, well, if we're going ranking straight away, I think it's got to be a nine straight off the off the bat. Um, bit better than Silverstone, which I think I gave an eight, if I remember rightly. Um, and once again, in the exact same way I did for Silverstone, I'm going to mark it down by one, just because I don't like it whenever like a lot of people are taken out at the start. You know, that's that's the only minor thing I'm going to knock it down for. Yeah, th- there was only one kind of contender for the win that was outside the midfield in Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, he was at the back and fighting his way through, which added to the spectacle. Otherwise, it would have just been a walkover. Um, But I definitely see where you're coming from. It had everything, didn't it? Like I say, a new winner. We had battles between great drivers. And it was was close, tight, but clean. Um, We'll get into more of that. And and yeah, chaos, and it all comes from a spot of rain just at the beginning of the race. Now, we were just saying before we came on air that Jimmy's got a little bit of a dilemma because last week, or two weeks ago, when we were talking about the race in Silverstone, Jimmy was telling us that it was a 10 out of 10 race. There is nothing better than the British Grand Prix. Now... Maybe the Hungarian Grand Prix was on par in Jimmy's opinion, but I, I I disagree with that. What are you going to rank it, Jimmy, out of ten? Well, I feel that I slightly uh, overestimated, overcooked it with Silverstone, not knowing what would happen <laughs> in Hungary. Um, so from that point of view, maybe I was a bit overzealous with the Silverstone rankings. Um, however, I'll stick by my guns and I'll have to give it a ten. Um, because it was a phenomenal race, wasn't it? I mean, how exciting. Something that never happened, I've never seen happen. Um, only one car in the grid when they lined up. It's just a phenomenal race. Absolutely phenomenal. We've got our work cut out to choose the moment of the weekend, haven't we? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a load of moment of the season contenders. And we thought we were, we were spoiled for choice last time out. Um, I don't know who's... Th- the bigger optimist jimmy who's always ranking things 10 or joe who's always thinking well it can get even better next time (laughs) (laughs) how can you get any better than that anyway i appreciate those rankings um if you want to find out a little bit more about what happened during the race there'll be a blog alongside it i usually try and get that out just before you listen to this so go and read that if you want to find out more But it's time to get into the bit that we all love, handing out the awards. And now we shall start with the biggest winner, speaking of the cream of the crop. Jimmy, who was your biggest winner? My biggest winner was Lewis Hamilton, Um, simply because he's leading the championship um, and he's doing a fantastic job. Um, And yeah, he's on top now, quite clearly. Yeah, I, I said Lewis Hamilton as well. 
if you look at it, he's not scored the maximum points. And given his situation, you think, can he really be the biggest winner? Being in second, maybe third place, if somehow Vettel doesn't get disqualified and that decision gets overturned. But in the grand scheme of things, if it had been a relatively normal race, the best he could have expected was gaining seven points on Max Verstappen, him winning and Max coming second, but he's gained a whole lot more points and somehow, despite two races ago being 33 points behind, he's come out eight points ahead and that that's a big win to spend those four weeks ahead. Certain times this weekend you could see it was kind of getting to Max, like in the press conference after qualifying, Max just had had enough of all the questions and, and, and the commotion regarding what happened in Silverstone. Not that it was his team bringing it up most of the time, but but still, you could see that cracks were starting <laughs> to form. And, and Lewis is good at that, being right on the edge, not, not necessarily playing outright mind games, but putting your opponent under pressure um, slowly but surely. Um, anyway, I went off on one there. Joe, your biggest winner? Um, probably, I'm going to say Williams actually i'm gonna say williams i think it went slightly under the radar um you know um because of all the drama but 10 points to williams you know pending any sebastian vettel penalty overturns is massive um because it it pushes them straight up to eighth in the constructors championship that's a lot of money that's a lot higher and it's quite a big alfa may only have three points so far this season uh Pretty nearly the halfway stage, so ten's going to be quite a lot for them to beat. Really, um, they've they've at least got ninth sealed up. You'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both has, so that that's invaluable. And I think Williams are looking peachy. Um, don't you think it's wrong though that we've not given Esteban Ocon the biggest winner, given that it's his first F one win? Anyway, we'll get onto that in a bit. I'm sure. Definitely. Um, but yeah, great shout, Williams. And I loved how much it meant to George Russell. Like, he was in tears after the yeah. race. Not not in the same tears that he had also finishing ninth in Sakir <laughs> in Mercedes. <laughs> yeah. it, it was a different sort of tears. Um, brilliant drive from Latifi as well. Yeah, managed, managed to keep half the grid behind him for a good 10, 15 laps, didn't he? He was... He was hu- he was holding down third position. Like he almost looked like he'd stay there forever. He looked like he owned the spot. It was yeah. brilliant. And then I loved that cheeky moment from George Russell in the pits. Oh, so it was worth a try, wasn't it? After after, after the red flag, um, basically all of the grid came into the pit lane to pop on the dry tyres because it became clear they'd all underestimated how quickly the track was drying. Hamilton was the only one to stay out, but... In the the pit lane um, traffic jam that ensued, George Russell, with his Williams pit garage being at, at the end of the pit lane, he thought, well, in practice and qualifying, I'm able to just overtake people <laughs> in the pit lane. So why not do it in the race? And he did that. He, he rolled out into second place. Uh, shame he couldn't keep it. And I think it was good that Massey was clear with Williams over the radio. Look, give give back a few places, and then it'll be all right. And then carry on racing. But 
that was a cheeky move. I like that. Anyway, Lewis Hamilton gets the biggest winner, but I think there's a lot of winners and a lot of losers this race. So well done to Williams. And on to our biggest loser. I went this time for Valtteri Bottas for what happened at the start of the race. Now, let's look at Friday and Saturday. Bottas was doing the business for Mercedes, popping in some brilliant bits of pace in practice and then stuck it second on the grid for qualifying and he looked like he was doing everything that he needed to be doing for securing that Mercedes drive if it's still up for grabs between him and George Russell who knows it might have already been a deal done but then turn one it's rained just before so everyone knows there's not a lot of grip there in fact they're on wet tires so that would suggest there's not a lot of grip about but he just seemed to leave it too late to break didn't he and as Charles Leclerc said Valtteri Bottas went bowling and knocked out a load of cars what were your thoughts on that I think it was pretty poor from Bottas I mean it's a big mistake to make that obviously had a huge knock-on effect um I think he probably deserved more than a five-place grid penalty, if we're being honest, um, because he's wrecked four drivers' races, really. Um, but obviously incidents aren't awarded for the severity of the outcome, the penalties. Um, but there we go. Yeah, it, it was pretty... That was more amateurish than the Hamilton-Verstappen clash oh, in Silverstone. Um, yeah. What about you, Jimmy? You got anything to add? Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, I think it could happen to anybody, though, potentially. I just thought, think but he got himself... It also happened to Stroll, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, I just think he got himself caught up. He got a terrible start off the line and he's just trying to regain some places and he breaks a bit too late and and then, you know... Hit Norris, who hit yeah. Verstappen. Yeah. And then he Perez. went off and hit... Leclerc. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was a who's who... <laughs> Of Formula One drivers um, yeah. parked up at turn one, unfortunately, or limping back to the pits to try and get a little bit of repair work before the end of the red flag. Anyway, yeah, I don't think that's helped Bottas at all in terms of his Mercedes seat. Whether it made a difference, I don't know, but it's his reputation that's taken a, a dent there, unfortunately. I suspect that... Bottas will go to Alfa Romeo, maybe to replace a, re a retiring Finn in in the former Kimi Raikkonen. Um, but we will see. Mm. Who was your biggest loser, Jimmy? My biggest loser was uh, Sebastian Vettel, um, unfortunately. Um, s simply because um, he drove a, a good race. Um, unfortunately, on the Hungaro ring, it's very difficult to overtake. Um, so as a result, um, he couldn't overtake. Um, it looked like he had the faster car than um, than Ocon. Uh, but yeah, uh, for anybody who didn't know, he stopped uh, outside the pits when the race ended, and that's because he ran out of fuel. And unfortunately, didn't have enough fuel to have a sample, uh, so he got disqualified. Um, it was it was only a few. Well, it was under a liter, wasn't it? It was like point three mm -hmm. liters that was left, and and you need what one liter. Yeah. Yeah, but they are claiming that there's and 1.44 liters in the car still. What, like in the fuel system? Mm-hmm. The rules as of now yeah. is that you can't take the car apart in order to get that fuel. So that that's the other rule that you need to bear in mind. I think you're right 
in that Vettel should have won or could have won that race like most people in on the grid you you could make a case for most people in terms of them being able to win the race yesterday um Vettel he had a slow stop and that that ultimately cost him uh, because his outlap was incredible mm -hmm. searing pace and he he nearly still undercut Ocon despite having a poor pit stop so yeah there's there's a lot of ifs and buts uh, but yeah Vettel was unlucky and I suspect he's used more fuel up because he was pushing Ocon the whole race and Aston Martin probably hadn't accounted for that sort of race because no one could account for that sort of thing happening what about you Joe? Uh Gotta be Red Bull two races in a row. A huge swing in momentum towards Mercedes. Mercedes looked fast, even though we didn't necessarily expect them to around Hungary, where they're not. It's not typically their track. So a huge swing in momentum. We know what they're like often after the summer break. Um, Mercedes and Lewis especially. Um, so it's looking good for Lewis, but obviously Red Bull are also famed for their sort of late calendar form. So we'll have to see. But as of right now, they have to be the biggest loser. I think no points two weekends in a row. What do you reckon then the key races are? So usually Mexico and Brazil, if if we go there, mm -hmm. they're Red Bull tracks typically. I, I guess the Netherlands is an unknown. Mm -hmm. um, Abu Dhabi has been quite um, quite a Red Bull track. Max won there last won there. Uh, when they're at the last race of last season. But Italy and uh, Spa probably are Mercedes tracks. Definitely Italy. Well, Spa will be a key thing, won't it? Because that's got both the tight, twisty section and the straight line speed. And people who tend to win in Spa tend to... He wins in Spa! He wins in Monza! <laughs> Sorry. Um, people that tend to win in Spa are also are good in other high-speed tracks, such as Japan, if we go there, the US. Mm -hmm. um, McLaren, will be, McLaren will be strong in Monza, I reckon. What, with the straight-line speed? Yeah, definitely. I suppose it's fewer corners for Ricardo to lose a bit of time. <laughs> <I'll respect> <laughs> oh. <laughs> he can't catch a break, no. can he? He nearly yeah. waltzes into third position and then gets... Or well, second position, actually, mm -hmm. I think Ricardo was on his way to, and then Stroll decided to avoid an incident by heading straight into it. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't driving, but still, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a tight one. But yeah, Red Bull were really struggling this, this weekend. They, they, could, they had bits of oversteer and understeer all over the place to the extent that they actually took a bit of rear wing off. They had a smaller rear wing at what is a, a high downfall circuit, which is unusual. Mm -hmm. And it's also unusual that they were struggling given their dominance in, in Monaco. Um, and Hungary is known to be Monaco without the walls, although I can confirm there are still walls in Hungary. It's just they're further <laughs> away from the track. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let's agree to disagree because there were many big losers. How many people finished? Uh, was it 13? It was, I think, yeah. So there are there are always going to be a lot of losers in that, that sort of race where not many people finish. Anyway, we'll move on to probably the most difficult award to dish out, and that is the moment of the weekend. How are we going to do this? I don't know. But I shall start with mine. 
because it's got to be the battle between the two greatest drivers of their generation, Hamilton and Alonso. If, if you ask me, that's what the fight between Hamilton and Verstappen should look like. Both drivers respecting each other, hard racing, but also not going over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was 10 laps of pure brilliance in terms of defensive driving from Fernando Alonso. Lewis Hamilton, obviously a good driver, but Fernando Alonso is his match. It's what we've been waiting for since uh, Fernando left McLaren in 2007. Like that, that's the sort of battle that I grew up loving and uh, and loving Formula One for. So it, it was really nice to see it. And Alonso turned 40 on Thursday. He still got it. I know Joe said that exact line last time out and the proof is in the pudding. What beauty that was. If you ever want to get an idea of what the best of Formula One can be, have a look at those 10 laps. And also to, to add to that, Alonso arguably won the race for Ocon or for Alpine just as much as Ocon did. Mm, I don't think it's arguable to be fair. I mean I mean Lewis, I mean if you look Fernando had slightly newer tires than the three cars ahead of him and so he was able to do that defense. You look what happened as soon as Lewis got past Fernando he breezed past Carlos Sainz and and with three laps to go and he closed I think it was 9 seconds in in it was nine seconds in three laps that he closed. He was he would have been past. I reckon if he got past Alonso two laps earlier, he would have won the race. Mm, I reckon so too. It's amazing. So shout out to Alonso uh, with his moment in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty other moments to choose from. I'm going to let Joe choose the next one. Um, I think it's going to be. Possibly overtaking the 2005 US Grand Prix as the uh, weirdest ever starting grid. Um, the the one car start. Um, two Mercedes on the starting grid. Lewis Hamilton and the uh, medical car behind. Um, so yeah, it was it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Are you almost disappointed that it couldn't have been a little bit more weirder, though? It it could have been a, a bit more weirder, though, in that no one would have taken the start. I, I, the I wonder would what would have, have happened if they'd have done that. Because no, the lights would have still gone. Would they? Like they do, with, with all the mm-hmm. tension. Lights out and away. No one goes yeah. because they're still in the pit mm-hmm. lane. Um, but yeah. with, if Mercedes had pitted, do, do you think... Well, looking back, Mercedes should have pitted, but do you think the rationale behind that would have been that Mercedes are in the first pit box? Pit yes, garage, so would. would have had to let everyone through. Would they have ended up last, do you think? Potentially. Yeah. I I suspect last or risk crashing in the pit lane, but he would have lost less time. Yeah, he would have he would it, I mean to be fair, only it only took him about three laps to get up to the back, but I mean would that three laps of it it was like he he was playing on easy difficulty, wasn't it? I mean, th- there were times where it was four seconds a lap quicker than the other cars. It was unbelievable. Right, that is a good shout. <laughs> but Jimmy, I'm sure you've got another one. I'm gonna have to agree with you, Adam, on this one. What? Yeah, you can't give <laughs> like this. Okay, it's fine. You're agreeing with me. <laughs> 
No, I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, it was amazing. It was like two titans of the sport going at it, and it was like it was. It, it sort of took me back to the McLaren days when there was all that sort of jiggery pokery. With <laughs> I think it was, I think it was in Hungary, wasn't it? That Alonso held up, held up Hamilton, wasn't it? In the yeah. pit, it box, was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was just such a phenomenal battle. I mean, I didn't, uh, yeah, I don't know, but I think, I don't know if you saw the the interview with Alonso and Sky Sports, um, but he said, if I was Hamilton, I would have taken the two last corners a bit differently and you would have got past me about three laps earlier, um, which <laughs> I thought was a bit rich um, coming from him. But, you know, it's one of those things. He knows what he's talking about, I suppose. So I suppose he does, Jimmy. Yeah. He's only a two-time world champion, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Seven trumps no. two, though, I think. But, you know, there we go. It does, but I think Alonso's arguably as good a driver. Maybe he's not at the peak of his powers, but in, if you look at him as a racing driver, he's, he's done Dakar, he's won Le Mans 24 hours, and he's done IndyCar as well so he is he is going to naturally have a breadth of knowledge that Lewis maybe can't compete with so mm. that's a whole other debate that maybe we can talk about well everyone can talk about that for years who is the greatest of all time because Alonso is definitely in that conversation as is Lewis and they're still racing that's that's the incredible thing and we got to see that another thing it reminded me of back to Indianapolis 2007 where they were going wheel to wheel down into that first corner. Have you ever seen that Yeah, battle? yeah, that's one of the first ones that yeah. Lewis had in F1, like proper wheel to wheel. It was his, yeah, his second win, wasn't yeah. it? Look at us, fanboy. <laughs> Let's move on. No, we can't move on without giving another few things a shout out. Gamesmanship in averted commas in qualifying where Hamilton was going slowly down the pit lane and then had an outlap which was relatively slow and that meant that Perez missed the lap. That was a bit more drama that led to even more booing, which yeah. we don't like to I see. I think that was effectively debunked, though. I mean, I don't... I yeah, saw the, the went pic- quicker that lap. Yeah, the, I think the one that did it for me was there was a picture of sort of the gap between um, when someone started their lap and the car in front of them. And by far the longest was between Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly. Anyway, whereas yeah. the Lewis is to the one in front and Bottas is to the one in front um, were almost identical to everyone else's. So Let's also, yeah, it, it was the media making more of a drama yeah. than it was. But let's also remember that Red Bull Bull's drivers could have overtaken yeah. Hamilton. Like nothing was stopping them. Or they them. could have sent them out so, earlier. Yes. <laughs> So there was there was that which was quite entertaining. Of course, there was lap one as well, and I also think that 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 well, it was all mad. But the end of the race where everyone was parking in a different place <laughs> that was all yeah. quite entertaining, <laughs> and it ends in Alonso lifting Ocon up in his arms, and that that was a beautiful moment. It was a wholesome moment, yeah. wasn't it? So there are many moments from this weekend to choose from, and we are grateful for that. Uh, but Jimmy has made it the Hamilton-Alonso battle that we were waiting for to be our moment of the weekend. Now, it's time for me to give my honourable mention, and of course that's got to go to Esteban Ocon. How can we do a podcast about the Hungarian Grand Prix and only really get to talk about its winner now? Ocon 
Yes, there were a lot of ways that he could have lost that race if Hamilton had pitted earlier, if he'd got past Alonso earlier, if Vettel hadn't had the slow pit stop. All of that. Ocon, he held a four-time world champion off for 60-something laps. That's special. Like, this guy is underrated, and I, I almost feel like that is proven by the fact that we'd not given him the biggest winner award. He is underrated. This is the guy that beat Max Verstappen in Formula 3. He also knocked him out of the Brazilian Grand Prix 2018. <laughs> but <laughs> he's <laughs> he's had a tough time. Like he, he's, he's not one of this billionaire boys club uh, that, that you talk about in Formula 1. Like He has come from, not the bottom, but he's properly worked hard to get to where he mm-hmm. is. And he's taken a lot of risks. And made a lot of sacrifices. And he does seem like a genuinely nice guy. So it's nice to see him at the top of the podium. And it struck me now that more than half of the grid are now race winners. Yeah. And But that doesn't make it any less special. Because I think we're living in an era where there have been so many new race winners over the, over the last two or three mm-hmm. seasons. And I think we need to enjoy the moment that we're in. Um, and Esteban Ocon is certainly a part of that. So congratulations, Esteban. You got my honourable mention. Joe? Um, I'll go with Pierre Gasly. Um, on the surface, had quite an uneventful race, fifth to fifth. Um, but, I mean, he was right at the back after all the crashes. He was the one that was he was um, just ahead of Lewis um, before Lewis pitted. And he got managed to get back up to fifth um, and set the fastest lap of the race as well. Um, so that's 11 points to him. Um, obviously, the one of the biggest battles in the constructors is uh, Alpine versus Alfa Tauri. And obviously Alfa Tauri have done better, but fifth and sixth for... No, sorry, obviously Alpine have done better, but fifth and sixth for Alpine is no, uh, nothing to be... Uh, laughed at and Pierre Gasly again fifth place and obviously can give him a shout out for that qualifying performance as well because sticking it fifth with all the big boys still in you know it's one thing to finish fifth in a race where all the big boys are out but in qualifying he uh he got it there completely on merit so best of the rest yeah exactly great I think great performance from him no the the two Frenchmen doing them proud um, good shout from Joe. Jimmy, what about you? What's your honourable mention? I'd have to go for Ocon. Um, he's done... I'm sorry again for sort of saying the same thing. No, it's you. all right. Yeah, so... so I'm, I'm really convincing this week, aren't I? <laughs> Ocon, yeah. It's brilliant that Ocon got his, his first win. Um, and he's, he's worked hard. Um, he got dumped by uh, Force India, didn't he? For Perez, uh, which I didn't agree with at the time. I think he's a, he's a brilliant driver um, and he deserves it for sure. Very much like Gasly, the sort of same way he won a race in some ways because Gasly got dropped by a Red Bull, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went on to win. Um, and then, you know, uh, he, uh, Ocon got dropped by uh, Force India and now he's won. So it's sort of the parallels can be drawn. While there are a lot of different things that Drive to Survive can talk about, I think that that will be a nice, compelling episode to kind of talk about Esteban Ocon's story mm-hmm. and it, it climaxing here. Who knows? He might he might go on to 
better things. He might get third in the championship. Who knows? That That's still up for grabs because no one seems to want that <laughs> other than Lando Norris. Uh, so it is quite tight down there. Um, but anyway, we'll give Esteban Ocon rightly the honourable mention, although I think it's not the biggest award that he's won in the past few days. Uh, so he's not going to be that bothered by it. Right, let's move on to the AJ on the line, line of the week. And I'm I'm going to give mine to Nico Rosberg because while I can't say all of um, what was in his line uh, because of the expletives, I thought he was a really good commentator. I missed Martin Brundle and his, his soothing voice um, guiding us through the Grand Prix. But Nico Rosberg says it how it is. And don't we love that? So... In qualifying, Ricardo he was knocked out at the end of the second part of qualifying and he forgot to turn his radio off and you heard the F word <laughs> and Crofty said, we apologise for, for the poor language choice by Ricardo and, and Rosberg said, well no it was the right word <laughs> 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 and I just thought that was brilliant. Um, yeah, he's just good isn't he? He, he's the only man in recent times to have got the better of Hamilton, so you've got to give him some respect, um, and I do. Jimmy, what's your line of the week? Oh, sorry, Jimmy, what's your AJ on the line line of the week? So my AJ on the line line of the week um, is Max Verstappen. When the reporter asked him, um, so what happened out there? And then Verstappen replied, I got taken out again by a Mercedes. Um, which I thought was it was quite funny because he did get taken out by a Mercedes, the other Mercedes this time, <laughs> um, which was which I yeah which helped Hamilton out quite a lot, so I liked it. Um, but I just think that 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 sort of phrase you can hear you can feel the energy building up at Red Bull, sort of really getting irritated, um, and Red Horner. Uh, speaking to uh, Toto and Toto giving him a very dirty look. Obviously, uh, Horner said something to him. So I just think the next half of the season is going to be absolutely mega. Well, on that, the next two races are at Spa, effectively a home race for Max Verstappen, and then the Netherlands, a home race for Max Verstappen. So I, Red Bull are going to want to win those two races to wrestle back the momentum, aren't they? Mm. It's going to be a hostile environment for Hamilton and Mercedes, so you'd think the home advantage will be with Red Bull. Um, we will see. Did did you hear actually talking of Karen? Sorry, Christian. He <laughs> he wants to dip into the five percent above the the budget cap because of all the damage that is being mm. done to his cars. But in order for that to happen, all of the other teams need to agree to it. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know whether that's going to happen definitely not no it does seem like rebel haven't budgeted for car crashes so joe we we had some corkers this week but i'll let you finish off with your aj on the line line of the week um i'm gonna go for lando norris getting a bit uh bit caught out um so um, I think I think most people would have seen on sky's interview where he uh, where he blames bottas and says that um he needs to have a penalty, but he then goes on to say a different, the, the same thing to a different broadcaster, I think. But who's behind him? 
oh no, oh no, it's Valtteri Bottas um, right behind him. And, um, you know, he comes to apologise and Lando hasn't realised that he's uh, he's looming behind him. And uh, he looks a bit flustered when he's been caught out. Yeah, and then try, <laughs> and then he's chewing the gum afterwards. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, couldn't have got much worse. But it's everyone's biggest nightmare. It happened to Lando Norris. Bottas came up behind him in more ways than one. This <laughs> um, <laughs> so, those were our AJ on the line lines of the week. Let's move on to the predictions. But before we do that, I want to give a congratulations to Joe because he actually called George Russell scoring his first points. Although I am going to say that your theory fell down because your theory was, well, Russell keeps on putting it top 10 in qualifying. It's yeah. hard to overtake. Look, 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 I got it right. I got it right. We can leave it at that. <laughs> yes, congratulations <laughs> on that. My theory that Charles Leclerc would win the race didn't go so well, but there, there you go. But yeah, let's move on to these predictions for Belgium. They're four weeks away. How good is your foresight? Let's find out. Joe, let's begin with you. What is your sensible prediction for the Belgian Grand Prix? I'm going to say a McLaren podium because I think they're, they're quick in a straight line. Um, so I think, you know, maybe uh, Lando Norris will confuse uh, the uh, orange as support for him as well. So and it'll spur him on to a to a podium finish in uh, in Spa. Jimmy, what's your sensible prediction? Hamilton and Verstappen will have a similar incident to Rosberg and Hamilton. No, I was going to say exactly that. <laughs> That's amazing. God, really? Yeah. Sorry, clip mate. Of the, clip of the Did, wing. Should I say something else? No, 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 no. That's the magic, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what that has done is prove there's not just you copying me, I'm also copying you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think exactly that's going to happen. There's going to be a clip of the wing. The the orange army that rock up are going to be infuriated again. It's just a question. Throw tomatoes at Hamilton. Well, Um, that's what they've uh, they've said they're going to do at Zandvoort. Throw tomatoes. They're going to throw tomatoes at Hamilton. I didn't even He's know that. They need full security. I'm telepathic. I am. Look at that. You Gosh. are. Yeah, You're amazing. on it, Jimmy. You yeah, are. I am. Yeah. So who's going? Who's going to clip whose rear wing and give them a puncher? I see Verstappen clipping Hamilton, giving Hamilton the puncher just at the end of the the Kemmel straight. Yeah, it very much depends on whether if you if you're trying to do it to analyse it, I'd probably say that. It'll be Hamilton overtaking Verstappen on the pit straight because they've got a faster car in a straight line. So from from that point of view, it'll who's prob- going to be on pole though? It's a good we're point in that analysis. Yeah, it's a good point um, because I- the person on pole is usually the one being overtaken because it's a long straight, jump in the slipstream, slingshot. Someone's getting overtaken. Depends first corner though. It's quite a similar first corner to Hungary, potentially, in that if it's raining, they could have a multi-car pileup um, like there was um, before. The crux of it is that Jimmy and I agree on something, which isn't a surprise if you'd heard the beginning of this podcast. Anyway, we'll move on 
to our more outlandish predictions for the Belgian Grand Prix. Let's start with you, Jimmy. What's your Banzai prediction? Vettel will finish on the podium along with Alonso. Spicy. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Okay. We were actually we were actually so close to a Hamilton uh, Vettel Alonso podium. We were so close. That'd have been so good. Triple world champion and a moose bouche of world champion. Well, how many world championships is that? Thirteen. Quite a lot, yeah. Mm. So we we were really close to that. So I do want it to happen at some point. Yeah. Just for the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Although saying that, it is a really rare podium. Like it happened twice. <laughs> But when I think of those three, I think of Abu Dhabi 2018, them doing podiums, uh, no, doing donuts on the straight mm-hmm. together. That made me cry that <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> my bold prediction for the Belgian Grand Prix is that Valtteri Bottas is going to win. Blimey. After George Russell has been announced to replace him. And then he'll come onto the radio. <laughs> <laughs> To those who it may concern, <laughs> can I drive for the rest of the season? <laughs> and can you rethink your <laughs> your decision? That that would be so funny. God, I think Drive to Survive would lap that up. Yeah, as well. they would do. Yeah. So if it happens, oh, I'd drink that in. Joe, what's your Banzai prediction? Your bold prediction. The one that we didn't expect. That for the second race in a row, we're going to get another first-time winner. Oh, like yeah. Prime candidates would be Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. Um, yeah. But then I think you have to get a... Who else you got? Uh, Sonoda, George Russell, <laughs> Latifi. <laughs> Hopefully Lewis's long COVID doesn't last all summer because otherwise Russell jumps in the Mercedes earlier than planned. Yeah. No, I think he's all right mm-hmm. now. But Lewis was knackered on that podium, you could see. But I, I heard his drink wasn't working. Yeah, I heard that. Bit of wet, bit of dry, having to fight your way through at full pelt the whole race. You're going to be knackered. Um, anyway, that sounds like the Belgian Grand Prix could be quite exciting. Um, but for now, Sacre Bleu, that was a good race. So thank you very much, wherever you're listening, for listening. And thank you to Joe and Jimmy for your insight, of course. If you want to get a more in-depth description of the race and why I picked what I picked, head over to my blog post at ajontheline.com. And whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else, please do leave a rating and a comment. Let me know what you thought of the race. Was it the best of the season so far? I think it was. The next race is the Belgian Grand Prix and it's in four weeks time. We can't wait to speak to you then. And we may even speak to you before then, so keep a lookout. My name is Adam Williams and this is AJ on the Line.